I was just thinking briefly as I had tea. There's more about the word and, and what a powerful thing the word is. So I'll just give you a few more scriptures and then we'll move on. So we can go to James, James chapter 1. We're going to look around about verse... Verse 21. If you read verse 18 of James 1, um, it's where he starts picking up on this, but he says, It was of his own free will that he gave us birth as sons by his word of truth, so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. And as we saw in 1 John 4:17, literally to be the same as he is. And if you go over the page, um, in my Bible it's over the page, to verse 21. It says, get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And basically it's, it's, it's what we're looking at and what we're putting on. You, you, you put on the word. And look what the word does. It says, in a humble, gentle spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts, remember we're talking about that, contains the power to save your souls. And that's the part that's literally being transformed. Uh, James 1, verse 21, and I read verse 18 as well. And another place that we see the amazing power of the word would be Acts 20. If we just go to Acts 20. And we're going to be round about verse 32. Yeah, basically it's, it's because you put on what you meditate on. And so that's why we told them, we looked at Ephesians 4.23 and 22. It said, strip yourself of your former nature. And it says, be renewed in the spirit and attitude of your mind. So I never see, oh, I've got to stop doing this or stop doing that. What the entrance of the word brings light, and light drives out darkness. And the entrance of the word saves our soul, and the entrance of the word literally changes our heart's desires. So always as we fix our eyes on Jesus as the, the author and the finisher of our faith, he actually is working in us by his word. Look what it says here. So the word saves our soul, we've just read in 1, John, 1 James 21. And it says here, verse 32 of Acts 20, what's happened is Paul's having his last trip to Ephesus. He's on the way to Rome. He's not going to see the Ephesians again. So he's called a meeting of all the elders okay, of uh, the Ephesians. And this is what he says to them as he's leaving. You can read about it if you, uh, if you read sort of... If the, the verses before this. But he says here, Now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises. That's what I always love to look at. Of his unmerited favor. Okay, now look what he says about the word. The word is able to build you up and give you your inheritance among all, amongst all God's set-apart ones. So it gives you your inheritance. So how do we get our inheritance? It's 
in the natural, if you've got an inheritance, you've got to go and find out about it. You've got to find out what it is that you've been given, and you've got to find out how do you access it so that you can draw down what is yours. And it's through the knowledge um, of Christ that we um, have our inheritance given us. If you look in, uh, and I'm jumping around, 2 Peter 1 verse verse 3. This is why we've got to attend to the word. Um, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. I'm in 1 Peter, that's why I'm battling to find it. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, says this. It says, His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of Him who called us by and to His own glory and excellence. So we have to have knowledge. And it's talking about, again, in English, you can have knowledge. I can have knowledge of someone like Elvis Presley. He sang some songs and he lived in Graceland. And, you know, we would call that knowledge. But in Greek, there's different words for knowledge. So what it's talking about here, in English, you would have to say precise, complete knowledge of Christ. So in other words, precise knowledge in, in, in English would be if I brought a motor car in here and I took every single nut and bolt off that motor car and I laid it out all over the floor here and Alan was very impressed and, um, and then I said okay let's put it back together again and I put every nut and bolt back together again and we drove the car out the double door and back out on the street and it worked that's complete knowledge yeah sure but that is what um, it's talking about here. It's through the knowledge, through the complete knowledge of Christ. And it says here, um, by, by means of his promises, if, if you read on, it says, He has bestowed on us precious and exceedingly great, great promises, so that through them you may escape the moral decay and corruption. That is because the light, when the word comes in, the entrance of the word brings light. If you read Psalm 119, verse 130. It says the entrance of the word brings light. And where there's light, there's no darkness. You don't fight darkness. And that's what Christians have been doing. Oh, I must, I must take a hold of this and you know, have spiritual warfare going here and there. I say, no, just turn on the light and the job's done for you. So that's exactly why the word of God is doing that in us. It's filling us with light. In fact, in uh, Luke 11:34. It's, it says, it's a scripture I never understood, but it says, if the eye be single, the body is full of light. What does that mean? Is what are you focusing on? If your eye is single and it's focused on the right things, your body is full of light. Whereas if it's not, and, and you, you're jumping around between the law of the spirit and, and, and the law of sin and death, then you're not full of light. And you can read Romans 8. Verse 6, it says that the, the, the wisdom of this world or carnal knowledge is death. So we want, we want to focus on what God gives us. So he gives us these great promises um, so that we can escape corruption. And that's through the light that God gives us. 
It says, and become partakers. And that means be joint partakers in the nature of God. That is like awesome. So look at verse 5. It says, adding to your diligence the divine promises. You've got to learn the divine promises. What are they? Go and hunt them down. Say, I want to know what you've given me. I want to know. Um, we're talking about still. I'm just, you know, I said I was finished with what believers do. But this is for believers. That's how we go after the things of God. We hunt them down. And it takes digging out the mysteries of God. And you carry, you, you carry on. It's talking about diligence. and uh, Like here in verse 5, it says, Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. And faith's going to come by getting into the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word because you've chosen to believe it because uh, you've seen the Word is truth and you can examine this Word, you can uh, research it, you can do what you want. It'll stand the test of, uh, of, of testing. It's one thing to say, oh, I don't believe that and just shut yourself off to the things of God. But it's another thing to say, God... Um, can I research that? Can I check it out? Can I search the scriptures to see if, if, they, if, if they fit together? Is there truth? Is there evidence that, that this is true? And God doesn't mind that because his word is truth. And when you're looking for truth, you will always be um, secure in the word. You just carry on reading. Peter tells you exactly how to do it there if you just keep reading those verses. Um, right down through verse 9, verse 10, um, you can see what Peter's saying there. All right, let's just talk about healing now. We've spoken about appropriating, and we've spoken about receiving, and how, in actual fact, the, the word for receiving, and if we go to um, Romans, I just want to show you that it is not a passive thing to receive the things of God. We're to contend and Take a hold of them. So if we go to Romans 8, no, sorry, 5, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. And it, it says this. It says, if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness Okay, and I'm picking up on that word receive. You receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness. But look what it says next. It says if you receive that, if you lay a hold of it, if you make it your own, it says they will reign as kings in life through the one man, Christ Jesus the Messiah. That receive, and we said it last night, is the Greek word lambano. It means to seize. So you say, God, if there's something going, I want it. I'm taking it. I, I, I receive it right now. Whack, and you take it. It's not just a passive thing of holding out your hand, hoping he'll drop something in your hand. He loves it when people seize and carry off um, what he has. So that's the word there. All right, so, so let's just talk about now. Um, there's, there's another thing that just comes to mind that, that I'd like to show you. So let's go to Numbers 21, and let's just unpack this a little bit. Numbers 21, and we'll start in verse 6. 
It's probably around about verse 9 that we want to be looking, but we'll start it. Numbers 21. Yeah, okay, you there? Basically, there was rebellion in the camp, and the people spoke against Moses. And um, the, the Lord didn't like it. So in verse 6, it says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent of bronze and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on the pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze, with a steady, attentive, expectant, and absorbing gaze, he lived. So it's not just a casual glance we're talking about. Now, there's some interesting things here, because this is a picture of Christ on the cross. And we're looking uh, in John 3, verse 14. But we'll go there now. But to notice here, it says, the people prayed, take the serpents away. God didn't take the serpents away. He provided a way uh, for the issues to be dealt with. And that's kind of what we're looking at in the promises and in the finished work of, of Jesus on the cross. So they had to look not at what was happening. Not at, let's say they'd just been bitten by a snake and let's say it was stinging and it was painful. I've not been bitten by a really poisonous snake, and I don't intend to be, but um, I don't know what it feels like, but I can imagine like a bee sting. That's poison that goes in you. And on a small scale, you're getting burning and you're getting swelling and that sort of thing. So if these these serpents were in their midst, and they they were deadly, they were killing them. It said many died. Um, It says they bit the people, and many Israelites died. So we're talking about some seriously venomous stuff that's going on. They did not look at the, the bite. They didn't say, oh, look, I've been bitten. Oh, look, there's still one attached to my foot there. Oh, no. Um, let's, let's, what can we do? Can we draw the poison out? Can we, oh, no, my leg's swelling. Um, maybe a tourniquet. Maybe, oh, I don't know. Oh, dear. Help, help, help. I've been bitten by a snake. That's not what happened. It said, you turn. This is supernatural because... It doesn't make sense if you've been bitten by a snake not to deal with the problem as best you can. They turned and they looked at the brazen serpent on the pole. And it said you had to look at it and you had to focus on it and you had to remain focused on it. Maybe you could kick off the thing that's biting you while that's going on, but that's where your focus is, which is, you know, doesn't make sense um, in the natural But in God, it makes perfect sense because he's pointing at the cross. Let's go to John 3, verse 14. John chapter 3, verse 14. God knew exactly what he was doing. Okay, so let's read it. It says, 
just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert on a pole, so must it be necessary that the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, in order that everyone who believes in him, who cleaves to him, trusts in him, relies on him, may not perish, but have eternal life. And actually live forever. And that's what it's talking about. Then it goes, and everyone knows John 3 verse 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It's the same thing for us in the New Testament. Focus on Jesus. And you focus on, 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 on what the, the benefits of the cross are for us. You see, you can look at the cross and say, oh, he's dead. But that's not what God wants you to look at. That did happen. It, the, the, Jesus was killed and he died. Why? Why did he die? Start thinking, what are the benefits? Because he, um, and, and that's where you can look in Isaiah 53 verses 4 to 6, where it says he bore you know, our sins and sorrows and pains and aches. And, and, and you know, we, we are made righteous. If you actually look in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says, um, it says, for our sake, he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might be viewed or we might be the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, we're the righteousness of God because of that fact that Jesus is lifted up on the pole. And when you think that by his stripes we were healed, as you start thinking these things, you're not looking at the snake bite. You're not looking at the symptom. You're not looking at the, the doctor's report. Oh dear, we're going to have to do this and that and we'll probably have to chop off two legs and one arm. And That's what they do. They just cut things off you. That's not healing. That's treatment. I'm, I'm not convinced they're healers. Jesus is the healer. So you look and you focus on what he's saying. What does God say? Whose wisdom will I believe? I will believe the wisdom of God. He's He's um, atoned and, and he's done all these things and he's borne our sicknesses and pains, carried away our sorrows. By his stripes, we are healed. You see that? What do you focus on? So when we minister to people, and um, uh, this really applies to anyone, you're telling them, look for the comfort. Look to the healer. Don't look and say, is the pain still there or is the ache still there or... You know, is the wound still there? That's not important. It's just like the snake bites. God showed us there and he showed us on the cross. That's what we look at. That's what we fix our eyes on. And that's the source of our comfort. That's the source of our love. So if we talk about different ways that God heals now, um, just moving on. What's it now? It's 11 o'clock going on. There's different ways we see that God heals because he's dealing with different people. So he's dealing with non-believers um, and they are healed by the laying, hands, laying of hands of believers who will lay hands on them and they'll re recover. Let's look in Mark 16 at that. So we, as believers, appropriate from our inheritance our healing. You see that? And we speak the word. We agree with the word. The word says that if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead lives in us, he will quicken and restore us to life. 
So that's what I speak, and that's what I speak to my body. All right, so this is Mark 16 now. It says, Jesus said, in, well, verse 15, he said, Go into all the world and preach uh, the good news to every creature of the human race, that is. It says, He who believes and trusts and relies on the gospel and, and him who it sets forth and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of death. But he who does not believe and trust and rely on the gospel will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my, see, those who believe. It's not talking about faith. Have, have you got the difference? Faith is the supernatural aspect that comes by hearing the word. Believing is a choice that we each make individually. That's why, like in, in, in Matthew 17, when um, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and his disciples have been trying to cast the devil out of a boy uh, who's, who's getting thrown in the fire and having epileptic fits, he says, Oh, you wicked, wayward, unbelieving generation. <laughs> I thought, Lord, why didn't you say you tried? Well done. What happened to those guys is when, when the manifestation started, they were intimidated. They didn't believe in the authority any longer that um, Jesus had given them. He said, in my name, you know, heal the sick. And they were more believing in what they saw with their eyes, not in what they heard, the word of the Lord. And that's kind of like to us, believe the word of the Lord, not what you see. Okay, so it says... These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new languages. They will pick up serpents, and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will get well. That's anybody. It doesn't qualify who the sick are. Are they believers, non-believers? Are they resentful? Are they not resentful? Okay, so this is one method of healing. And that's the method we use when we encounter unbelievers. We don't ask, do you believe or don't you believe? We just say, oh, come here. Do you mind if we lay hands on you for healing? And we've seen lots and lots of people just in the street. Um, we laid hands on, we were up in Bothers Hill, and there was a lady behind the counter in the one restaurant as we walked in, and she had her leg up, and she had like a plaster thing on it, but it's more a removable thing these days. They're slightly different. But we said, what's wrong with you? Oh, she said, uh, she explained that something had happened to her foot and she had had an operation. So we just laid hands on it. We didn't ask. I was with Eric Tocknell in, um, that, where's that one we were last night? Oscars. Yeah, I was sitting there having coffee with uh, Eric Tocknell and one of the guys came limping past. He had some sports injury. Eric just says, come here. He just lays hands on him and says, be healed in Jesus' name. I thought, that's wonderful. But that's what we do. We've got to get more bold at that. And because we know of our authority, we can command healing and wholeness. So we're going to exercise some of that later. So that's one way God heals, the laying on of hands. All right. Now, the, the reason that there are different ways of healing is because God wants to heal everyone. Some people are of little faith. Um, they might be babes in Christ. And so you know, the, the ones who are more, more mature, they do things for them. So that would either be in James 5, uh, 16, where is it James 5, 16, where it speaks about the, the elders anointing with oil and um, uh, praying the prayer of faith and people are restored to health and to a spiritual stone, to a tone of life. 
So that's another way. That's for the babes. I, I, I just can't get the breakthrough. I just, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm battling too much. And they haven't learned to ignore the symptoms and fix their eyes on the Lord and the benefits that come through the cross. So there you can pray for them like that. And then there's also the gifts of the Spirit. So if, if we go to um, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. These are manifestations for us um, to give away. So listen to this. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit uh, for good and profit. It's a gift that you give away. So here it, it, speaks, it speaks about them now in verse 8. It says, to one is given in and through the Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom and to another the power to express a word of knowledge. Now you find that these gifts often work together. So you can have a word of knowledge that something you didn't know, that there's someone sitting with a condition there. So God brings it to your attention by this gift operating, and then he will then use another gift. It would either be um, through the casting out of spirits or of infirmity, or it would be through gifts of healing or gifts of faith and working of miracles. So here it says here, okay, the power to express a word of knowledge and understanding to another wonder-working faith by the same spirit. To another, the extraordinary powers of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophetic insight, the gift of interpreting divine will and purpose. And to another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterance of true spirits and false ones. Now, that there, um, when I was freshly born again, I used to see in the spirit realm, and I used to see spirits on people. And rather than seeing God was showing me these things to help people, I, I, I got critical. I said, oh, he's got a spirit of this and he's got a spirit of that. And you almost like write them off, you see. And that's not love. That is just immaturity in Christ. Because it says nothing counts except faith expressing itself through love. So I, I actually asked God, I said, I don't want to see this anymore. It's, it's not good for me. And probably about... Three years ago, after all these years, it's back. And, yeah, but this time I see what it's for. Because there are many, many spirits of infirmity. Like you look at Luke 13.10, for instance, it says there was a woman who was, who was bent over and, and she couldn't stand up. She was bound by a spirit. And Jesus rebuked the spirit and said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And up she shot. Or at... Uh, Let's go to um, Luke 11. There's a spirit of, of dumbness in a man. Let me just quote it right. Luke 11, and it's down at the, near the beginning. It's verse, it's not that near the beginning, it's verse 14. It says, Jesus was driving out a demon that was dumb. And it occurred when the demon had gone out, the dumb man spoke. And the crowds marveled. So that's an aspect of the um, discerning of spirits. You see, like we were taught when we were babes in the church, we were taught, no, discerning of spirits is to see whether someone is speaking and utterances of God or it's of, 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 of some sort of 
other spirit, whether it be the human spirit or whether it be a demonic spirit. Because they speak. You just read 1 Timothy 4, where it speaks about doctrines of demons, etc., in the church. So that is a reality. But I thought that's where it began and ended. And what has happened is, if, um, if you think about it, we, the Christians, we are light. So how does the um, discerning of, of, of spirits when it comes to healing, spirits of infirmity would be the worst ones. We have light all around us. If you look in, let's, go, let's look, because it's good that you know this. Let's go to Ephesians 5, and we're going to read round about verse 8. Ephesians 5, verse 8. So there's different ways that we get free from these things. So as believers, we, of course, we're going to appropriate the promises, and we are going to eat the word, and the word is going to flood us with light, and light drives out darkness. And the word is spirit and life, and where this, it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, where the spirit is Lord, there's liberty. So you will know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. So we can appropriate deliverance and just grow in freedom as, as we grow in Christ. But um, which one did I give you? I'll just... Okay, sorry. I was already on the next point. But let me just show you how this works. So, yeah, for believers, it's not such a serious thing. But there's many people, and I've even had um, non-believers have, have demons. And I'll give an example. We were ministering in our little town in the middle of England, and we had, there, there were some people who came to hear us. And they weren't even Christians. And so they came forward. We were speaking about healing. And in the spirit, what I do is I shut my eyes. And remember we said that um, Paul's prayed that the, that the eyes of our imagination are flooded with light. So I know that we are light. And that's the scripture we're going to look at now. And even a non-Christian has a measure of light. But because they don't have the word in them, they don't have the brightness you can look at people in, uh, in the spirit and you can see straight away if they're born again or not. And I saw this. It, it looked like, you could say, like a huge big bath sponge, maybe about that size, the size of that Bible. And it was on her head above her ear. And uh, so I looked at that. And then what you've got to do is you've got to say, now, Lord, that's what I'm seeing. What is it? And you ask him. That's where the wisdom and the knowledge comes yes. And so I said to her, do you have migraines? Do you suffer from migraines? She said, oh, all the time, yeah? This is a woman of about 35. So um, I said, come, I, I, I see that. I see that there's something, some shadowy thing sitting I don't like to say it's a demon because then they get all scared and they think you're, it's all spooky. I just say there's a shadowy thing that I just see. It's like an x-ray just above your ear. So I said, let's just deal with that now. So uh, you, you just say, in Jesus' name, I speak. I, I say, when, when I don't want to frighten them, I say, I speak to that force. And I say, you will leave this woman alone and be gone in Jesus' name. And then you lay hands on them and you release the healing power in. Well, she was getting migraines. And so for about three days, she had nothing. She was getting them continually. She had nothing for about three days. And then... Um, 
one started knocking at the door with the usual signs. I don't know if it was blurriness or whatever was happening. And she said, no, you don't, because we told them, don't let them uh, come back. No, you don't, off you go. And she's never had another migraine to this day, tried once. And then um, her mom came to me, because her mom was also there. And she said, she's totally, she came and told me she's totally changed. Because she used to have hate in her heart. And what happened, the way this thing got into her, when she was about 11, the mom and dad divorced. And there was a stepdad who came to live. I don't know if, they don't even marry there. Sometimes, you know, the guy moves in and then he's not flavor of the month anymore. He gets thrown out and the next one moves in. We've got a woman in the church who's got five children from five different parents. So these things happen. But that's society. That's how people live. These were not born again people. And she said that when the stepdad came, he used to say, oh, I hate you. I hate you. You're worthless. Get out of here. Because yeah, he kind of didn't like her taking attention from the mom that he wanted. Yeah. So there was this competition, this continual verbal abuse. And so this young woman was saying she, she started by disliking him and fearing him. Then she started hating him. And then she said she got to a place where she, she wanted to murder him. So she never did, obviously. But she was saying, I used to plan in my heart how I would kill him. And this went on for years. And then, you know, the stepdad was gone. But then it was other people. The same pattern of behavior had gotten entrenched. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, In your anger, do not give the devil a foothold. Yeah? <laughs> do not let the sun go down on your anger. And she opened the door. Now, what happens with these demon things is they want to afflict you so if there's a demon it's going to manifest itself with some kind of physical um, discomfort or uh, disease or affliction and that's exactly what was happening to her and that would have carried on it could have become a, a brain tumor as she got older it could have become cancer anything you want that's what happens so we cast that thing out and that was the source of the hate. And she said, I don't hate anymore. I'm changed. So she got a full deliverance. I didn't even know that was happening. I just saw the affliction was gone. So that's why we need to see in the spirit realm to help people, to deliver people. That's why it says in Acts 10, 20, uh, 38, Jesus says how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power, some translations say, or others say, oppressed of the devil, because God was with him. So, um, let me just read you Ephesians 5, then, just to show you how this, this works for healing. Oh, okay, no, it, um, we're not going to read verse 6, we're going to read verse 8 of Ephesians 5. It says, once you were darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Lead the lives of those native born to the light. For the fruit, the effect of the light, consists in every form of kindness, goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. We don't have to make that happen. We just eat the word and eat the word and eat the word. And the entrance of the word brings light. And that transforms us. That's the, that is the mystery. That is the power of God in the word. 
But what I'm saying is, we are children of the light. And I can look at people and I can see how much time they spend in the Word in terms of, you know, when I want to operate that gift. Um, and it has operated quite often. And I don't want to take it for granted because it says, as the Spirit wills. But I'm asking every time we minister, I'm saying, Lord, we need these gifts to operate. We need to see what the issue is. What are we addressing? What are we addressing? Is this a demon that's afflicting someone or a spirit? And there's nothing sensational about throwing them out. We just say, no, in Jesus' name, out. The glory is in the release. The glory is in the healing. The glory is, is, is in God being uh, praised and worshipped. So it's not a, a horrible thing. And it's something that applies to everyone. You know, in, in England, they don't believe in spirits. You know, I know that's for, for Africa. When you go there, they're spiritual people in Africa. and You must know how many spirits we've cast out of them. <laughs> cancer. Cancer is a spirit of death. We, um, we had a guy, um, unfortunately he died last time I was here, three months ago? Four months ago? Yeah. In Hilton Hospital, riddled with cancer. And he had, they'd cut him open and there was, the cancer was down his back somehow. And there was all staples down his back. He turned around and showed me. And um, he couldn't sit because it was down into the base of his coccyx and he could stand or he could lie. That was it. And um, I said to him, has someone rebuked the spirit? And he said, no. He said, everybody's prayed for healing. Now, you imagine in Luke 13, verse 10, where Jesus saw this woman bound with the spirit of infirmity. If he had not rebuked the spirit, she would not have been healed. And the same thing we just looked in, in Luke 11, where the dumb spirit was cast out and the man spoke. It's because the spirit, what these things do, and I'll tell you what I've seen, and this is, not, this is just my experience. But some of them look like little monkeys, and they've got um, long talons, and they, and they dig. I saw one lady who had pain in her, um, in, in her neck and spine, and there was like a monkey thing sitting on, its shoulder, on her shoulder, and it literally had its hands, and it had nails like the length of my fingers, and they were sticking right through the, the top of her neck here and in the shoulder, right through it, and it was hanging there. And then... Um, I looked and I saw it and it saw me see it. You see, it's, it's a different frequency, uh, the things of God. That's why it speaks about God quickens us. He quickens us. It's like, it's a higher frequency. And it was like, I'd, it was my eyes were quickened to see into the spirit realm. And I said, you, leave her in Jesus' name. And she just felt, that, that was dramatic. But I think it's because she was an English woman who didn't believe uh, it was good for the other English people to see. And she, writh she writhed around, and, uh, and then uh, she was quiet. She got up, she said, it's the first time in about 18 years she hadn't had pain. So that's, this is healing. So see it as a glorious thing, not as a... Because, you know, the, the thing of deliverance is it's been taken and shoved in the back room and people go there. We don't operate in deliverance like that. We work with what we see. Our best is to 
teach the people the word, teach the people the word, teach the people the word. And as the light increases and as the understanding of truth increases, they get set free. You don't, we don't go hunting demons. Was your father this and did you do that? And have you ever done astrology or this or that? And that was the system we used probably in, it, maybe in the 90s. We used to have a checklist, spiritual checklist, and we would work through it and you know, do this deliverance. But what we saw is that doesn't work in terms of a lot of cases. People would get delivered, but then in six weeks' time or three months' time, same problem again because the patterns of thinking haven't changed. The, um, the, uh, the understanding's not there. The light's not there. And when these things come knocking on the door, they've not been trained to pull and take captive the thoughts. And so the thing just reestablishes itself, which is exactly what Jesus says in Luke 11. You know, when the thing is swept out, this, we can look at that. All right, so you see there, we are light. And the fruit of the light is um, kindness, goodness, uprightness, and trueness of life. Okay, so the, the children of God are light. So we can go back to Luke 11. I'll show you what Jesus says about these things. I should have dealt with it when we were there. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 13.10 is the woman who was bound by the spirit of infirmity. And then um, in, in Luke 11, verse 14, Jesus is driving out a, a deaf, dumb spirit. Okay. So let's go on, because after he does this, some of them, verse 15 says, some of them said he drives out demons because he's in league with or by the power of Beelzebub. And... It says in verse 17, Jesus was aware of what they were saying. And he said, every kingdom split up against itself is doomed and brought down. Verse 19, if I expel demons with the help of Beelzebub, with whose help do you drive them out? He says, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that's the, that's the case. And then he speaks about the strong man and how you can plunder his goods when he's cast out. And then here's a little scripture. This whole context, all these verses flowing here, are speaking about demons, not so. But then in 23, people say, now suddenly, oh, this is people. He who is not with me and believing with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. That is talking about demons, if you follow the context. Because the next thing he says, when the, un- the, verse, the very next words are, when the unclean spirit goes out. So what I'm looking at is I'm looking for patterns that are ungodly. If Jesus says, by my stripes you are healed, and something's trying to speak out and say, oh, I don't believe that, or, oh, that's nonsense, you know, so-and-so has never been healed and this and that, and is resisting the word of God, then I've got to look for some sort of demonic source behind there. And... um how you address that, you need wisdom. Because often you don't want to, uh, if people are not going to listen to the word and receive the revelation, sometimes it's better to leave them alone. But in the case of this woman with the thing on her, above her ear, she was totally delivered. And she also stood her ground. Apparently that, that young woman, when she was about 16, was saved. And she's been living you know, a bad life since then. Because in England, there's the bright life. 
they, they all just go out and they, have, I don't know, you might have seen it. They, they go out and they get drunk till they fall over the young people. It's like hectic because they, they, they have no hope. Okay, so look at verse 24 now of Luke 11. It says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it roams through waterless places in search of a place of rest. And finally none says, I will go back to the house from which I came. And when it arrives, it finds the place swept, put in order, furnished and decorated, and brings another seven spirits more evil than itself, and they enter in and settle there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. That is if a person is not prepared to hold on to their, their freedom. And we've, had, we've seen this so often, the people don't hold. We prayed for a South African girl who lives in England, and she had MS. And so we prayed, and she also had a baby, and, and the, she was pregnant. I mean, she had a baby in her. And the surgeons or the doctors, who, whoever she'd gone to, said, no, you need an abortion because this child is going to be um, a real mess with your condition, and we think of the same condition because apparently some things can pass down. So we prayed, and we just said, no, God's saying everything's okay. Now, she had to believe what, the surgeon's report or God's report. She didn't want to have an abortion. So, so that just pushed her God's way. The baby was born beautiful. I mean, uh, some babies are really ugly. Let's be true. <laughs> you look at them, you think, what is that little pruny thing you got there? You know, they're all red and splotched and I don't know. So people say, oh, look at this beautiful baby. I say, well, I just don't say nothing. <laughs> But this baby was beautiful. What a stunning baby. Just one that just came out just looking like fantastic. And so about three years later, we see her again because we used to meet um, at, it was part of Bill Hammond's ministry. We used to meet regularly. So about three years later, I see her again. She says, oh, it's back. So I said, what? She said, the MS. She said, it's back. So I said, um, I was really angry. I said, you foul thing, how can you come back? And then God, I, I hear God laughing. And so I stop. I think, what's wrong? He says, it's only symptoms. It's knocking. It's knocking. It's only symptoms. So I said to her, her name was Sheila. I said, Sheila, it's only symptoms. It's only knocking. Just say no. You can't come back. I'm healed. And that's what she did. And she walks in it to this day. So the, the, the spiritual aspect in terms of the demons is very, very real. So be aware of it. And they're very, very easy to, to, to deal with. First of all, ask God if they're there. And as I say with me, because we're filled with light, I see like w when I look, I, I imagine an x-ray, like an x-ray that you would have a broken bone or something. You know how those... The light goes through your body and then you see dark spots or cracks or whatever um, in the x-ray. And I imagine, in, in my mind's eye, I'm saying, Lord, I'm imagining now. What am I seeing? What am I seeing? And so I see the light around the person and then I look for dark spots on their body. And that will be the places where there are afflictions. And then I will speak to those things and... Sometimes you might have a dark spot up here, but they've got pain in their spine. You know, and it's because there's something that's reaching, sitting there, but reaching around there. 
And it's amazing um, how often you hit exactly the spot by doing that that um, needs to be addressed. And then you just break the power. You say, in Jesus' name, you will leave them right now. They are free from you. And then you release healing power into them. And we're going to speak about the healing power of God, uh, which is that power that's in and for us who believe. Um, but what I do, again, using the eyes of my imagination, um, if you take a magnifying glass and you go out in the sun when there is sun, which is lots here normally, and you focus it, what happens is you can put it down to a dot and that dot just burns things. We used to do that when we were kids. Burn leaves and burn people when they're not looking. You just <laughs> 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 we, did, we did crazy things. But, um, yeah, then they jump. But um, that's what I do. I imagine the power of God. It's, it's this power that's rushing from our innermost being, and I focus it on the spot where I saw that thing, and I command wholeness and healing. And it's just amazing. People say, oh, I feel hot. I feel hot. And they start doing this and that. And um, that's the healing power of God. Yeah. comes as heat, rays of light. Um, in Habakkuk 3, I think it's verse 5, it speaks about the, the rays of light that are coming out of his hands. This is right near, where is Habakkuk? 3, 5. Habakkuk 3, verse, uh, uh, no, it's verse 4, sorry. Habakkuk 3, verse 4, it says, His brightness was like the sunlight. Rays streamed from his hand, and there in the sunlight was the hiding place of his power. Amazing, eh? The laying on of hands is just so amazing because there's power in our hands. And so that's in, in terms of healing. And then um, through, through discerning of spirits, you see that. So I imagine... The outline, I imagine the light. I say, Lord, I'm looking, where's the light? Yes, they're children of the light. They're full of light. And you can see some people are really bright because they're full of the word of God. And that word, the more that goes into us, the more light there is in us. And the more light there is in us, the more easily these things just break off and disappear. Often you don't even need any ministry. It's just by the truth coming in and coming in and coming in and setting you free. Where the spirit is Lord, there's liberty. The word is spirit and life. So when you get the word coming in, you're getting spirit coming in. As much as you, you do through impartations or soaking, as people used to call it, or maybe they still do. Um, so yeah, that's the, the thing of Luke 11. So I, I like Luke 11, 34. It says, while we're here... Uh, in Luke 11. Look at Luke 11:34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. So you, you can take a lamp and you can shine it and you can see things as well. So use your lamp. But it says here, um, your eye is the lamp of your, your body. When your eye, and it says here, your conscience is sound and fulfilling its, its office, your whole body is full of light. When it is not sound and is not fulfilling its office, your body is full of darkness. Really, it's speaking about focus. What are we focusing on? And to me, my conscience will always point me to righteousness. 
It's not to condemn me. It's to point me to righteousness. But that again is, the body is full of light. It says, it says, if your eye is sound, your whole body is full of light. So you can see light. We are children of the light. And you can look and you can see. So, and then there's different types of healing. There's like uh, gifts of healing. Go to John 5 and you can see this working. So when you, you're praying, and, and really we don't pray for the sick and, the, oh, God, please heal them. No, no. What we do in his name is we release the healing that God has put in us. But sometimes I pray and I say, God, help me to see, help me to discern what the problem is. And often what they're saying and, and what the problem is is two different things. Um, so I'm going to John 5. This is what we would call a gift of healing. So this is Jesus working in a gift of healing. All right, so if you go to verse 5 of John 5. So Jesus has gone to the, um, the pool of Bethesda, and it says there was a certain man there who had suffered with a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years. When Jesus noticed him lying there, knowing that he had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to become well? This is a reality. We see people whose identity is their sickness. So Jesus saw this guy and he was saying, do you want to be well? And he didn't look at that. Look what he says. He says, he answers, oh, I have this problem and you know, there's no one to help me get into the water and all the rest. So Jesus said to him in verse 8, get up, pick up your bed and walk. Instantly the man became well and recovered his strength, picked up his bed and walked. So now if we read further on, it says, uh, the Jews said to him, it said, you've no right to pick up your mat and walk. Why are you walking around with your bed or whatever? And it says, he says to them, the man who healed me and gave me my strength, he himself said to me, pick up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who told you, pick up your bed and walk? And it said the invalid did not know who it was. So this is not a thing of faith. How many times did Jesus say, you know, be it unto you according to your faith? Or like the woman who crept through the crowd in Mark 5, 25, he said, your faith has made you well. Or Bartimaeus, in, in, um, uh, blind Bart on the road, he's, same thing. Or you know, the centurion, he says, I've never seen faith like this before. This is not their faith operating, their belief and their confidence in Jesus' ability. This guy didn't even know who he was. He was just healed. He didn't know who Jesus was. He said, oh, the man. So that's another way that people get healed. It happens. Um, Heather was sitting watching TV once, and someone called out. Another way is through word of knowledge and said, oh, there's someone watching the TV who's um, got a problem of calcification in your back. And she had fallen as a child and she damaged some vertebrae and they they were virtually stuck together. And she felt heat go up and down her back and next minute she was healed. 
she was just idly watching the TV. She wasn't even contending for faith or anything. That was a condition she'd had since childhood. She wasn't thinking about it. That was a word of knowledge and a gift of healing that operated. So she just got healed. And when that happens, sometimes, I mean, it's wonderful when God does that. But we need people to know how to hold on to that, not to let it go. So that's more um, ways that God heals. So you've got gifts of healing, discerning of spirits, working of miracles. All right, so it says faith without works is good. So how do we work miracles? What we do is we lay hands on the sick, we release the healing power of God to them, and then we get them to do something they couldn't do. So um, last night I was talking about a woman who came to us who had tumors, and they treated her with uh, chemo. She'd gone the whole route. She was really damaged in her body because of the chemo. And, and um, it was about three years later, the, the, the growths were back in her brain, and she was basically told, nothing more we can do. And so she came to us, and she was swollen like a bullfrog because she had been taking these drugs. I don't know what they were that they give them. But she couldn't, her joints had been affected by the swelling in her body because of the drugs. She couldn't sit anymore. She was about 35, and uh, she had a young toddler. She couldn't play with the toddler even. So we said to her, all right, we'd spoken about healing and receiving healing, taking it. And she said, right, she's ready. So she took her healing, and uh, we said, right, now you need to do something you couldn't do. What couldn't you do? Oh, I couldn't sit. Sit. So she looks, you know, sort of dubiously, said, sit. And she sits down, and she couldn't bend. Her, her hips wouldn't work properly, and her knees wouldn't bend. And she sits down on the floor, and then her mom, who was with her, who brought her to us, um, just started not even weeping quietly, loud. You know, for, for the English lady, that's pretty hectic. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they normally say, oh, that's jolly decent. Very. <laughs> we say, thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for healing her. <laughs> so, yeah, people get excited. So this uh, young woman's name is Kate. And uh, her mom, she's just so grateful. She keeps writing emails every couple of months just to give us a, um, a progress. And 10 days later, she went to the doctor. All the tumors were gone out of her head. She stopped all medication. Her body's shrinking down again. And um, apparently she used to love running, and she's now started running again. So that's exciting. That's full healing. So um, why did I tell you that? Oh, yeah, working of miracles. That's it. We made her work the miracle. And that's what happens too. We have guys, often when there's a recovery going on, people give up too early. So if you've got a stiff arm or um, a, sh a frozen shoulder, we had someone like that, and we said, now do something you couldn't do. And they try and they try and they try. And, they, and then suddenly it, it, it's free. That's what Jesus said to the man with the withered arm, stretch out your arm. So he worked that miracle. He worked it. And, um, you know, all, all the blind, the one blind man, he put, um, he spat and put mud in his eyes and he said, what do you see? And the guy said, I, I, I see men as tall as trees. So Jesus 
did it again. Said, what do you see? You see, they work in the miracle. And that's what we need to do. We need to do something that we couldn't do. And if we look in James, I think it's uh, chapter 1, verse, or maybe it's James chapter 2, verse 20. I think it's James 2.20, in fact. It says here, um, 18, verse 18, it says, If you say you have faith and I have good works, show me your faith apart from good works, if you can. And I, okay, uh, so I'm looking for faith where it says, Faith without works is dead. Okay, no, I'm... It's here somewhere. Well, verse 22. Are you willing to be shown proof? Oh, yeah, that's it. Faith apart... I've even got a mark here, so I just would not even seen it. Faith apart from works is inactive and ineffective and worthless. The whole thing about faith is it's just reading the word and saying... That's true, and acting as if it's true, which it is. So if God says, you healed, your knee's healed, just act as if it's true, and, and your knee will work. And I had to work on my knee. As I said, I fell and I cracked my knee a shot. And I don't know what happened I, um, in terms of, was there something cracked or something broken? I, I don't know. But it swelled up like that, and I was battling to walk, because I need a loose knee to walk. I swing my leg. And it was tight. And um, so I just, I just kept working it. And then it just came right. So, um, but that took me a couple of days. So sometimes it can take a couple of days. But the beautiful thing about it is that we develop in strength and in perseverance and in ability to do these things. We grow. We grow in our strength in God and in our faith. So that's another way of healing that is working of miracles okay so so you see now the gifts of the spirit operate sometimes and sometimes they don't um another way of healing is where there's what we would call a healing anointing let's go to luke 5 yeah i've tried to understand all these things because we were so hit and miss um in healing and then you think it works sometimes, not other times. It's frustrating. But the more you know about it and, and the more you read about it and think about it, the more you're able to instruct people in, in what is happening and how God is working um, at a particular time. Okay, so it's Luke 5. We read verse 17. So it says, one of those days, as he was teaching. So, again, there's the environment of the word and the light penetrating people and um, illuminating. Because people say, well, what did Jesus teach? What did he preach? And I think he tells us in Luke 4, verse 18, he would tell people, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the captives and you know, to preach healing and lips of the blind will see and the lame walk, etc., God is on me. The anointing is on me. And that's what he preached in Luke 4, 18. And that's really one of the few times we see his message apart from the sermons on the mount and that. But when he was healing people, because it says people came to, be, to listen to him and be healed. And here it says, one of those days he was teaching. 
There were Pharisees, teachers of the law sitting by, who had come from every village and town of Galilee and Judea, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And we've had meetings like that. We had a meeting in Birmingham. We were um, in, in a, a drug rehab place. So there were lots of people who had been really smashed up, taken drugs and chemicals. and I mean, they really shoot themselves up. A lot of them die. So they've damaged their body. I mean, we, you, you've seen people that have stuck so many needles into themselves that they've got callous dead skin on their bodies. And then they just try a different spot and a different spot. We had one young girl. She had been injecting in her neck. And the neck, it was like there was a thick layer of leather on her neck. It was dead skin. There was just nothing more there. And God healed that and gave her new skin. But there were, there were about... I don't know, about 35 of them, maybe, again. They're not huge meetings. We don't have huge meetings in England. But we were speaking about healing, and we said, right, who, who, who needs healing? And we just got this mob. Most of them came forward. And that night, every single person was healed because the power of God was present to heal them. All right, so let's look at another way God heals. And it, it speaks about the power here was present. But let's speak about touch. So we can go to, while you're in Luke 5, just go to Luke 6. Luke 6, 17 we'll look at. Okay, so Jesus came down with them, with his disciples, and took a took his stand on a level spot with a great crowd of his disciples and a vast throng of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to listen to him and to be cured of their diseases. It says, even those who were disturbed and troubled with unclean spirits were being healed also. You see what are we saying about uh, spirits? God calls it healing. And that's what it is. I know we've called it deliverance, but it's, it's healing. That's actually what it is. That's why I've put it under the same label. It says, the multitude was seeking to touch him, for healing power was all the while going forth from him and curing them and saving them from severe illnesses or calamities. Saving them, that would be sozo and... Oh, it's up there on the table. I'll leave it now. But uh, I've got the... the the full um, interpretation of what sozo means. And it's, it's healing, deliverance, provision, it's protection, it's, it's, it's the uh, eternal salvation in terms of the sin aspect and the redemption as well. Um, but it's a whole lot of things, and they were being saved. So there was power coming from him and healing them all. All right, let's go over to Mark 5. What time are we going to finish this session um, Shall we? How are you guys? You must just tell me if you need a break. Okay, should we go another half hour? Or stop, stop at 12? And, and then, you know what you've got to do after lunch. Yeah, well, after lunch, what we're going to do is we're going to work the, um, the, the, the power. I'm going to teach you how to release the power from yourself and how to release it into people's bodies, how to give and receive, what you do in terms of coaching people to receive. Okay, because you get receivers and transmitters, and when you when you both one or the other, it doesn't work. 
You need one guy releasing it, one guy receiving it. Okay. All right, so we're going to Mark 5, did I say? So you see that healing is a big subject, and that's why when we get asked questions, and we've not, um, I mean, it, it's, it could be, because I could continue this Mark 5 afterwards, but shall I tell you some of the questions? Should we do that? And then we'll come to Mark 5 after lunch. Um, Uh, no, it's not there. <laughs> Oops. That thing is trying to attack me. Did I put them in my... Oh, yeah, I put them in my Bible. That's what I did. Okay. Here we go. Shall I let you answer it, seeing you've had much more information now? <laughs> okay. I'll throw it to the floor. Here's a question. Is it wrong to take doctor's advice and trust in medication? So how would you respond to that? Anybody want to have a go? That's, that's a good one. No, you can't say it's wrong. No, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, is it wrong to take doctor's advice and trust in medication? So what we say is, Again, it's according to your faith. How much are you absorbing? How much are you able to um, rely on God and, and uh, uh, trust, put, your, put weight on the word? Now, the word can take weight, but often we're not in the place where we have that confidence, either through lack of study um, or through... Um, it, it really is lack of study and lack of med- meditating on the word of God because the word is has substance. So I can speak for myself. Um, I was on, I was told, your blood pressure is too high and all the rest. And so I started taking, I thought, oh yeah, well, they said, we know you're a bad guy to work with because I normally don't take pills when they give them to me. So it's on my records. It said, non-compliant patient. <laughs> so um, so we, we know you're a bad guy. So I said, okay. Um, so I went to Warwick Hospital, so there were consultants who wanted to see why is this blood pressure high. Anyway, the guy said, I can work with you. So I said, all right, I'll work with you. So he gives me all this blood, these blood pressure meds, and they give you one for this. And um, I can't even remember the names of them. But anyway, these things, uh, suddenly I started having a, a raspy voice, and... Um, I used to get very dizzy when I stood up. If I was sitting down and stood up or I was lying down and stood up, I got dizzy. And I used to like swimming. And I went to the swimming pool and I swam and I got out of the pool once and I literally was standing upright and I, I just fainted, just gone. And as I went down, Heather was standing next to me and um, she caught me. She thought I was joking. And I, I ripped my foot open because I was standing next to a pillar, a concrete pillar with a base. And as I fell, my foot scraped all along it. And I thought, no, there's something wrong. Is it, is it me? So I started looking at the side effects. And I thought, no, I don't like these things. So I changed one and then changed another. He said, no, well, we'll take you off that one if it's causing you to be dizzy. We'll try this one. And then... Um, they continued measuring and putting machines on me and looking at things. And then I get this urgent phone call. Oh, don't take that pill. 
I said, why? I know there's a problem. You've got to come see the cardiologist. So uh, I eventually got there and I went in. And they said, oh, you've got an enlarged heart. And then I realized these guys didn't know what they were doing there because I've basically swum all my life. I still swim, um, do a couple of kilometers a day, and fairly quickly. And um, I said, but you didn't ask me what I do because there's nothing wrong with my heart. I swim and I just go. And I've got good lungs and all the rest. And then I knew um, these guys are just guessing. You know, they say doctors practice. Well, I said, they're not going to practice on me no more. (laughs) And um, so I I got into the word. And I said, God, I cannot live like this. I'm, I'm getting depressed. And I realize it's not my natural inclination to be depressed. I'm depressed. I'm coughing. I'm uh, fainting, um, I'm wobbling, and my um, energy levels had plummeted. Your muscle tone is affected by these pills. So I threw them out, got back in the, uh, the pool, and I just started confessing the word, confessing the word. So that's what I did. And I just said, God, I trust you. My life's in your hands. Um, when I'm coming home to glory, that's when I'm coming. But it'll be when you decide, not when the doctor decides. So I was able to do that. So I'm not on any pills, and I'll never take another pill, and hopefully never see another doctor. I don't mind going for a, a set arm or something, if something like that happens, something physical. But when it comes to medication, I just avoid it. It's just not good. Anyway, that's my story. But you cannot do that unless you are going to take the word seriously and you're going to say, God, I trust you with my life. If not, go through a process of weaning. Heather was on some mind-bending pills, as you heard last night. She had a nervous breakdown. They gave her things. She said it was like there was a lift in her head. She said she would go up and down like this. They were mind-altering drugs. And, uh, oh, this will stop you being depressed sort of thing. Well, it does the opposite. And so she weaned herself off. off. You get addicted to these things. She weaned herself off, but she did it slowly, believing and trusting the word. Um, but if you, if you haven't got a problem with drugs, that's fine. That was, ours were literally afflicting us. So here's another question. I personally find the healing mystery, sorry, the healing ministry is a mystery. Have we unpacked some of it, uh, do you think, in the last few hours we've been together. You feel much more confident in it. To me, it's like a law, just a science. It's like the law of aerodynamics. You obey it, it works. So we've got to speak about how. Uh, Another aspect of of receiving is, if we look, let me just show you something else in the word, just in, in response to that. Jesus tells us how to receive. So if we go to Mark 11, verse 24. He's talking, you know, he's just cursed the fig tree in this passage just above. And the disciples come back and say, wow, that's amazing. He says, have faith in God and all things are possible. Um, now look here in verse 24. He says, for this reason I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe and be confident it's granted you, and you will get it. So it's easy. So what do you do? You say, Father, 
I'm asking for healing and I thank you that I can draw down now. It's mine. And you believe you've received. Because if you're asking for it, he gives it to you. It's according to his will. Remember 1 John 5.14? No mysteries. But it's the gap between seeing the manifestation and the waiting time. That's the asking and the manifestation. So you must understand healing is spiritual. So what happens is when we receive healing, and you say, Father, I'm drawing down. You said I'm healed. That's provided. That's the blessing given me. And I'm drawing down or I'm lambanoing. I'm taking it. I receive it. You receive healing spirit to spirit. It's a spiritual thing. And then what happens is because you've received healing, your body recovers. You haven't received healing when your body's recovered, when the, when the symptoms are gone. You receive it at that point and you take it and you make it your own and you thank the Lord for it. And then what happens is because you healed, your body starts recovering and it gets better. And sometimes it takes longer. Like with my knee, it took three days. Other times it's quick. I've seen people instantly delivered of pain, like that woman with the demon. That was an instant thing, but that was a different source. But whatever it is, you can see instant recovery or you can see longer-term recovery. But recovery begins. You know, when the doctor says, looking at the natural things, he says, here's some uh, antibiotics. You've got pneumonia or you've got a bad infection, whatever it is. Take the course and um, that will deal with it. So you take the first one, you say, oh, that didn't work. So you throw them away. That's what they do with the healing power that God gives us. No, you take the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, and maybe after the sixth one, you might only be 80% better, but you know, oh, yeah, I'm well on the mend now. And the doctor will say you healed when the symptoms are gone. God says you healed when you receive it. You see the difference? And because you receive it, you will recover. Okay, so I just wanted to show you that. So it's not a mystery. It's just different to natural ways of doing things. So with God, believing is seen. In the world, seen is believing. So it's, it's just different logic. That's why he says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to renew and change our thinking patterns. So healing happens when it's received. And it works out. And your body recovers because you got it. So, to me, healing is not a a mystery anymore. I hope whoever wrote that is feeling a bit more confident about it. Okay, last one. Uh, Will God... Oh, will God heal even if the recipient does not know God. And yes, through the believers laying on of hands, we've seen many healings of people who don't know God. They say, wow, that's amazing, and off they go. And did they ever get born again? Who knows? They got healed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it's expectation. Yeah, it's like when Jesus went to his hometown in Mark 6, right at the beginning there. It says he couldn't do any miracles there.
because of their unbelief. You know, they said, hmm, isn't he the carpenter's son? Do we know his brothers and sisters? And it says they were offended at him. And when we go on a mission trip, we're the traveling ministers. You know, we, we are the missionaries. We've obviously got something important to say because we've come all this way. <laughs> so, it is amazing. But that's where we just have to uh, work with the word of God. Okay, are we done for this? Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to do um, practical stuff. So I'm going to get you people up and about. and So a little bit of teaching just to show and demonstrate, and then you'll do it.